Hello, my beautiful beans, and welcome to today's episode. Today, you're going to hear from a really powerful and inspiring guest. Her name is Taylor Clement. And this interview is probably the most impactful interview I've ever done. And I honestly can't wait for you guys to get to know her story, to learn so much from her and take her energy and her way of looking at life and apply it to your own life. I think you guys are going to be so inspired by the end of this episode. But before we do get into this episode, I did want to put a trigger warning in place. In this episode, Taylor is extremely open and candid about her life experiences. She's an open book and for that I'm very grateful and I wouldn't have it any other way. But she does open up about topics of sexual assault and suicide attempts. So please be aware. Now just a few messages from today's sponsors and we're going to get straight into the episode of today. All right, welcome everyone. Welcome my beautiful beans. I'm so excited for today's episode because I have this incredible guest on today. Her name is Taylor. Welcome Taylor. Hello, thank you so much for having me. So I'm going to give you guys a quick very, very brief introduction into Taylor's story. Um, there's so much more to the story, so I'm not going to waste too much time on the intro so we can dive straight into the conversation. But before I ask you your first question, Taylor, I think the listeners should mm-hmm. know a bit of your background. So Taylor's 24 from New Zealand and you're, you're known on social media as the girl who can't smile, which is a pretty cool name like on your bio. <laughs> um, and yep. you were born with a one in four million neurological disorder. So one in four million people have this neurological disorder called Mobius syndrome. Am I, is that correct? I've pronounced that. Yeah, that's yep. correct. And so we'll go into that in a little bit because I actually, obviously, because I talk mm-hmm. about the brain and all that, I find that really interesting. But this yeah. is a syndrome that affects your cranial nerves and that results in a lot of things. And one of them is facial paralysis. And it yeah. also causes club foot. Is that correct? Yes, that's, yeah, that's correct. Right. So, so then you have little to no ankle movement and no calf muscles. And I, another thing that I want to go into with that because of what you did with, you know, sport and everything. So mm-hmm. you've had a crazy ride. Let's just like say it like that. It's been a journey. And she's had a traumatizing time at school with the extent of bullying that she experienced. You were also a victim of sexual assault as a young teenager. You experienced severe clinical depression anxiety with PTSD and you also became suicidal where you attempted suicide six times between the age of 12 to Mm -hmm. 19. So fast forward and keep in mind this is between 12 to 19 guys fast forward now you're 24 okay you're you're only 24 and now you're a public speaker you're an ex-paralympic athlete representing New Zealand in shot put you're a mental health and well-being Mm -hmm. influencer you're a model you've been on tv series and radio Mm -hmm. You've worked with big brands advocating Mm -hmm. for mental health. You're an ambassador for the Good Human Factory. This just goes on forever. And probably most importantly, (laughs) you live a life of immense gratitude and you are like the happiest person. So you're 24 and you've Mm -hmm. learned all of this and you've done this for yourself. I think my first question to start this conversation would be, how did you turn all that pain around? Well, I mean, I think you started off with the hardest question. <laughs> um, I, we can start I, wherever I you want. <laughs> I hate when people ask me that question because like, I wish I had like a definitive answer. I think what really turned it around for me is like you said, you know, at the age of 19, 
I mean, 18 even, I was diagnosed with extreme clinical depression, anxiety, with post-traumatic stress disorder, and also on top of that, disassociative attacks. And basically what those attacks were was um, I was having these seizures and collapsing episodes um, and none of the doctors or specialists could figure out what it was. They thought it was something to do with my heart or my brain. They thought I had like a heart murmur or something. And I got all these tests done, you know, ECGs, um, CT scans, like the whole lot. And I was in and out of hospital for about a year. I had my license taken off me because I couldn't drive because it got to a point where I was having these seizures and collapses like up to 10 times a day, oh, like wow. for a solid three to four months. Yeah, like at the peak of it for about four to five months. I was having up to like eight or nine seizures a day. It was like hectic. Um, But yeah, and it was also super tiring. And then on top of the depression, it was also just depressing to know that I wasn't only, it wasn't only affecting my life anymore. It was affecting the people around me because my mum had to be a stay at home mum again Mm. after, you know, raising two girls and they're kind of finally at an age where they can have independence. And I had lost all my independence at 19. And so, um the doctors and like specialists finally figured out that it was disassociative attacks which means essentially my brain was under so much stress and trauma that it was shutting down Mm. so like there was a very real chance that i was going to become a vegetable to an extent like there was a very real chance that my brain was not going to um have the capacity to just like keep me alive which is like super scary to think about and the fact that i let it get that far is like so like traumatizing in Mm. itself to me but um yeah it got to a point where I was just like okay I I either have one of two paths to go down I can just continue to give up like I was doing because that's essentially what I was doing I was giving up I felt sorry for myself I was sitting around doing nothing just feeling like why me why me all this you you know that kind of why me poor me Mm. mindset which is fine but at the same time I kind of had this feeling within me that I was like okay I'm meant for something bigger than this you know I didn't go through everything I went through to just sit here and have all these collapses and seizures every single day so I was in therapy like really intensive therapy for a couple of years and then um to be honest the therapy was good but I don't think it was helping me me in the way that I knew I needed help and so I really took it into my own hands and did a shit ton of self-development like when I tell you like I worked every single day didn't matter whether it was raining hailing or shining whether it was a birthday whether it was a weekend it did not matter like every single day I implemented habits that I knew through learning self-development and reading self-development books and really diving into that space I learned that if this was going to work for me I had to work at it and you know people might might be sitting here and listening to this podcast because I was in the same position where I was like well how did they do it you know like what's an easy way I can get there and I'm going to be completely brutally honest there is no easy way to get yourself back to a place where you know you can be and um, I put in the work it was tiring I cried a lot I had a lot of mental breakdowns but um, over time it got easier um, with the work that I put in and I've developed kind of a routine and have like habitual lifestyle now that I know that if I do these certain things throughout my day I'm going to be absolutely fine and now it's just about like maintaining that good mindset for me and so to go from a place where I was kind of down and out to being on top of the world <laughs> in my yeah. eyes um, I think is crazy to me but yeah it took a lot it's a lot of work <laughs> 100% so can I ask in that so you, you're implementing these 
daily habits and things? What's some of the things that you started doing? Um, meditation and like spirituality was a huge one. I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not as spiritual as I used to be when I first kind of dive, like dove into the spiritual world. Um, but I think I really needed that to understand more about the power that we have, like in terms of the mind. I think um, our mind is such an incredibly powerful tool, and I don't want to come across as one of those like woo-woo people, but like not the at all. Mind is just so powerful. Like I can, I don't know how else to like get across the point, like in the fact that our minds like hold so much power, and it really comes down to the thoughts that we think. And it sounds so simple, but even if something is like thinking that we're not good enough, well, if we think we're not good enough, then we're obviously not going to be good enough because we're telling ourselves that we're not good enough um yeah. but it was kind of as simple and also as hard as switching those kind of thoughts on the head and making sure that every time like every single time one of those thoughts came up it started off with me going into my room closing my door putting on some like meditation music and drowning out that negative thought and just replaying that positive thought in my mind in my mind in my mind over and over and over again until that negative thought wasn't in my mind and i don't think it has to be that extent but that's just what worked for me at yeah. the time it was really drowning out those negative thoughts because I'd been in such a negative mindset for pretty much my whole life that I can remember and so it's super hard to kind of override those negative thoughts when that's all you've been accustomed to all your life um meditation was also great um walking and exercising like there's nothing that a walk can't fix in my <laughs> eyes um, walking, so putting your headphones on, <laughs> walking putting your headphones in listening to like some Beyonce playlist like when I tell you Beyonce has saved my life on so many occasions like honestly I like my dream is to like walk down a runway to crazy in love and just like absolutely yes. have the hair blowing like I want to live that dream out oh so badly <laughs> I love um, that so like, much. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I tell I <laughs> It is that and I tell people I say like music can change everything in your day. It can change your mood. It can you could be in the worst mood, you could be in the saddest mood and that is like I call it like a mood shifter. It will literally yeah. jolt from where you are to where you want to be. It's crazy. You're so right. Yeah, you're so right. And I think also another thing that I implemented really only, I think it was definitely over like the COVID lockdowns and everything. I felt like I was like really struggling because I didn't have my normal routine anymore. And that like was a bit of a shock to a system because it had really only been like a year or two years where I'd really developed a solid routine of um, that I could rely on that I knew was going to help me and so when the lockdowns hit and everything and like in New Zealand we had like some of the strictest mm. lockdowns in the world totally. and so it was really hard for me and so one thing that I would do like straight away when I woke up or after I'd like brush my teeth or like wash my face or anything I would put on my headphones close my door like make my bed make my room all nice and just listen to music I made like this like happy playlist thing a lot of Beyonce was involved um <laughs> Um, and I just really implemented that new routine and like every time I'm feeling like anxious or like sad or anything like that, music is my go-to because it has such a powerful way of like shifting your mindset. And so, you know, yeah, like every, anytime I feel sad, I'm just like, let's listen to some Beyonce or something that's going to make me feel good. Yeah. So yeah. (laughs) Because obviously you've got a really good understanding of this concept behind whether you realized it at the time or not it's this concept behind that thoughts and feelings are 
chemicals and neurotransmitters and you know neuromodulators in the brain and what exactly what was happening to you the amount of stress that you would have been under emotional yeah Yeah. so much emotional stress is causing this really crazy imbalance within your brain to the extent where you it was shutting you down because it just Mm -hmm. can't function so you're the prime example of whether you knew it at that level or not you understood and you just said it that your thoughts create your reality and it sounds and Mm -hmm. and it's not you're saying oh i don't want to sound too but that's the truth whether you want to be spiritual or whether yeah. you want to be a scientist that's the truth your thoughts yeah. are your reality as fucked or as good as that is you know yeah yeah and i think you're so right i think also there was like this one i can i had this like one vivid memory of this like extremely like definitive moment and kind of choosing the latter pathway to go down um i think it it happened after so i had my last suicide attempt when i was around the age of 18 it was kind of like right in the midst of like my collapses and seizures and everything like right at the peak of that and I just felt like you know I can't do this anymore and like I've been struggling for so long and I was just like, I don't want to be a burden to myself or the people around me and obviously this uh the suicide attempt was unsuccessful but I remember waking up a couple of days later after it all happened um and it, <laughs> this is going to sound so weird but it had been raining for a couple of days and I just remember opening my blinds and it was just the sunniest day ever and I look out the window and something, it was almost, I don't want to say it was an out-of-body experience because I don't think it was, I mean, I mean, I really can't tell, but it felt like an out-of-body experience where I was just like, I felt someone talking, this this just yeah. sounds so weird, but I felt someone talking to me and I was, and it was just like, Taylor, I know like you're going through a lot right now, but just know that you're destined for like something beyond anything you could imagine, like something along those lines. It was just like this constant voice of like, there is so much that you can do for this world. Like there is just like so much you're meant to do in this world. So don't give up. And it was just like the weirdest thing. Mm. I was like, what in the world? Like, what is like, what is like, what is this feeling that I'm feeling in any way? that's kind of when I kind of started looking into self-development and everything but yeah I think that moment was like such a huge turning point for me and just really I mean I had no idea what was in store for me like if you told me like three years ago when that happened that I would be sitting here talking to you or like have the opportunities that I do like I'm going to get emotional about it and I don't want to but it's like it's just Uh, crazy you know like it is it's just it like truly blows my mind and to know that my story holds like some sort of gravity with people um is the most humbling thing ever and to be able to help people through my story is just incredible and I'm so grateful for the position that I'm gonna be in and people think I'm crazy when I say this but I'm so grateful for all the bullying and all the trauma that I went through when I was younger because I really think I was put on this earth to go through that and to come out the other side and be here and be a face and voice of hope and inspiration and empowerment for so many other people who feel like they aren't seen or aren't heard or aren't represented in this society. So to be that for so many other people is like, yeah, the biggest blessing ever and I'm just so, so, so Um, grateful for that. Well, I'm so grateful that you are on this podcast and talking exactly about that because I feel like you are the prime example of someone who can actually demonstrate how severe pain and such hard times can actually how you what you can turn that into. I did an episode. It was my mm-hmm. last episode actually. 
and I talk about how your pain can be your ticket to the life you want to live, you know, that yeah. can be your driving force. And I love that you just said mm-hmm. that. And I love that you're talking about like you, this is your purpose now, you know, people mm-hmm. are learning so much from you because I think a lot of people, I mean, I don't like comparing people's pain. Everyone's got a different threshold on what they can 100%. handle, but someone's going mm-hmm. through their own pain, listening to how you've overcome it and what you did to overcome it. And you're someone's survival you know, manual right now. And I, yeah. and I really appreciate you being on the podcast and talking about this because you are helping so many people. So it's, it's exciting. One thing I do want to talk about right now, which is what you just mentioned is bullying and how, when you were bullied mm-hmm. at school and what that was like and what you went through. Mm-hmm. Well, I can start from the beginning if you want me to. Please. I'd the love you kind to. Of <laughs> the, I don't, this is gonna sound so morbid and I I don't like tell people like this to make them or like I don't want sympathy from people like for from telling my story I just want to make that really clear I just I share my story of bullying so that a people can know what it's like to be bullied because I know that there are people out there who are still being bullied and still are a bully so if this hits someone you know in the ears and they're like oh maybe I should be like nice to that person and that's amazing and B I also want to be that like person like that friend on someone's shoulder being like okay if she can get through that then so can I but um anyway thank you um so it all kind of started when um I started at school so um, around the age of five years old, like I really don't remember a time where I wasn't bullied. So it started off as like, I guess, quote unquote, normal bullying. Um, and I just got called things like ugly and disgusting and worthless. And my, I got told my parents didn't love me or that I was a mistake or that, you know, all these like really like disgusting things. Like my mum was like an alcoholic when I was in the womb, which she wasn't, <laughs> but yeah. like, you know, people like kids totally. come up with the craziest things. Um, and then around the age of 11 and 12, I had a really invasive operation that was supposed to gather and make me smile. Um, it was eight hours long. They took tissue from my right thigh and inserted it internally from the corners of my mouth up into my temples. Um, and the idea was that when I would clench down on my jaw, it would turn the corners of my mouth up to mimic a smile or to mm-hmm. have a smile. And I absolutely jumped at the surgery because I'd already been bullied for so long. Um, up until that point, bearing in mind I was only 11 or 12. Mm. Um, and I just thought, you know, in my head, I was like, if I can smile, I'm going to be accepted. I'm not going to be bullied anymore. I'm going to have friends. People are going to want to be around me and my parents are going to love me. <laughs> Which yeah. just to like in context, my parents did love me no I matter know. what. I just want to put that out there. But when you're being told, when you're so young and so vulnerable and the only thing, and you're spending the majority of your day with these people at school, right? And so when you're being told that your parents don't love you and that you're ugly and that you're worthless and that people don't want to sit next to you at school or whatever, it can be really hard to determine oh what's God. true and what isn't. Yeah. And I obviously, looking back, it definitely wasn't true, but that's all I heard. That's all I knew. And so I believe, like, I took it as Bible. Um so I jumped at the surgery, had it, wasn't, was in hospital recovering for two weeks. Um, and that was just the start of it, really. I wasn't, the doctors and surgeons wouldn't let me look in the mirror um, because it was so bad. Like when I tell you the swelling and bruising looked like I'd been gang, like beaten, like oh that's how 
bad it was yeah. like the swelling i've got a few pictures on my instagram if people want to like have a look and scroll that but like the pictures are yeah i sometimes when i look at the pictures i can still feel like the tightness in my face yeah it brings back um, yeah a lot yeah it's just like one of those things that you feel in your body when you see it mm, um yeah. <laughs> um but so I the swelling didn't go down for a good year. So not only did I have to go back to school for like the last few weeks looking like a puffer fish, I also had to start a new school the following year with that same swelling. So for that whole first year at my new school, I had no friends. I was a library monitor. I even remember my mum turning up to school one day to drop some like medical supplies off during lunch. And it was halfway through lunch, bearing in mind. And I was sitting by myself and I saw her and I was like, shit, shit, shit. Like, I was like, look away, don't, if, if I look away, she's not going to see me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she saw me and she's like, Taylor, where are your friends? And I was just like, oh, they're like coming from class. They're just like doing something. They'll be here soon. And I knew that they weren't coming because I had no friends, but I didn't want my mum or my parents to know that I was really struggling. I don't know why. I think maybe so... in the back of my mind, I thought they didn't love me or something like that, you know, but. So you never um, you never told your parents did you ever share with them what you went no. through at school so you were very this is very internalized you you were very isolated mm-hmm. about this Yeah I think yeah and I think also like my nana especially always told me that even from a young age like I was I just had this like like weird amount of sympathy and empathy for other people like I would like even from like as young as 3 or 4 I would always want other people to be okay mm in the room that we were in or wherever like I wouldn't want anyone to feel bad and so I think maybe to some degree that's kind of what happened along the way I didn't want other people to feel sorry I'm not sure what it was I just felt like lying to my parents was the easier way you probably knew that your parents would have suffered knowing that you're suffering you know I think it's Mm -hmm. you knew as a young as a young child that if you told them maybe you felt even though it's not, maybe you felt that you would be burdening them with the knowledge that you're in Oh, pain. 100%. Mm. Yeah, and I think also around that time um, I started not getting bullied by teachers at the school, but I was, like, I was getting excluded by teachers. <sighs> and so I think when you're at a school and you're like still down in mind, like 13, 14, um, teachers are like – not gods but like they're like higher powers right yeah. and so they're there to protect you essentially and while we may not love them all the time like they are there to protect us to some degree and I think when you know because I'd put my hand up in class I'd be literally the only person in class oh. with my hand up and they would look at me and look away and like ask if there were any more questions and I was like is my hand like invisible at this point dull like what are we doing here <laughs> um, <laughs> dull. I was just like I was like, come on, come on. No one's lying to us here anymore. Like, I'm surely that, like, I would always, like, look around and be like, yeah. excuse me, am I the only one here that's invisible? Anyway, <laughs> I like to make fun of everything that happened. <laughs> I, I think, do you know what? It all stems any sort of exclusion or bullying or whatever. I stand by this 100%. It all stems from insecurity. Like, oh, there's yeah. no ifs, ands, or buts about it for me. I think, I really don't think if you are someone who is teaching students, like, it's okay to be insecure about things, but leave that at the door. Don't bring that into the classroom because not only did that exclusion from teachers really um, 
kind of haunt me in a way because I never was able to trust teachers yeah. like from then like I had a really unhealthy relationship with them but um it also just made me feel like 10 times worse than I already was feeling because I was like right like the teachers like the last resort and if these like people don't like me or don't want to include me then who am I you know what yeah. what am I doing here um but anyway that was like the least of my problems <laughs> yeah. um so after that first year at that new school um so this is around the age of 13 14 now um i like made some friends on and off but the thing was like people would like bully the people that i would like sit with at lunch and everything so no one would like really want to like have me sit with them um and i went to a school that went from like year six to year 13 so like there was a wide range of like different ages mm -hmm. and it was quite a, it was a relatively small school um so i was still being bullied around this time you know people would like bring plastic bags cause to school and tell them to put them over my head because they didn't want to see me or that I was ugly or whatever. I would get like cornered by the lockers and people would like rip my bag off my back and like chuck things out of like my school bag. Like they would like rip my lunch box open, like chuck my food and everywhere. And I was like, you can take my school books. You can take my like, like PED, you can take everything. Just don't take the food dolls. Like yeah. I really love food. So just don't <laughs> take it. <laughs> Um, but they always took the bloody food. Oh, I know, Um, and then uh, what else? Oh yeah, I'd get like kicked. At, like I'd get my knees kicked in from behind me. I'd be like walking upstairs so that I'd fall over. Um, and that would happen in front of teachers as well, and they would just like turn a blind eye to it. Um, what else? I'm trying to. So think. they wouldn't. So you had no <laughs> one really to turn to because no one's helping you, no matter where you go. No. Yeah. Yeah, did you reach right. out for help? Um, yeah, so I did, like, when it first like, started happening at this new school, but it kind of, in a way, I kind of got re-victimised because, you know, I'd tell these, like, I'd tell, like, the deans or whatever that I was getting bullied and then they would, like, pull these kids aside and they would either say that they weren't bullying me mm. or... Um, and then they'd just like get away with it or they would like say sorry and then like bully me even more than what was happening previously and so like I even got threats I was like like I know this one group of people were like you know if you tell like on us again or if you go to the teachers again we'll like make your life a living hell or we'll come to your house because I, I was living in quite a relatively small town at that mm. time as well and so it was like a very real thing for me that like a very real fear that these people could come to my house a hundred percent and like yep. do something i don't know what they were going to do mm. but like in my head i was like always thinking the worst of course um yeah and so then around that time when all that physical bullying started i became friends with these two uh, with a group of girls that were in a couple of years above me at the school um and the main girl was on the same school bus as me and like she would always like come and sit next to me on the bus because you know like kids on the bus were like horrible they would like not let me sit down anywhere even if there were seats or whatever just like stupid mm. little kitty kitty stuff like that um but it like when it happens like daily it becomes quite a lot yeah um but yeah she like she was like really really lovely to me and I thought like she was doing it for the right reasons I think anyone would when you're that young as well and so innocent and naive to how people can be and maybe they're like ulterior motives you were 12 at the time um, 13 14 okay. at this yep. point so still like pretty young and innocent and 
of course, around, like the sex education is not really taught heavily in schools. Like the one thing I remember from sex ed is that, you know, girls have periods yeah. pretty much, <laughs> you know, and like penetration. And that's about yeah. it. Like that was like the extent of it. You know, we never got taught about consent or what rape was. I had no idea what rape or sexual assault was. Um, I thought all I knew was what it was in the movies, you know, like get kidnapped, blindfolded, raped and then killed after. That's what I thought rape was. 100%, yeah. And so um, the first kind of um, like sexual assault incident that happened to me was that this girl and her boyfriend invited me over. That should have been the first red flag, to be honest, yeah. like, for me. But I didn't think anything of it. Like, these people were my friends of now. Course, and I was how like, are you going to know? It's just so amazing. You know? Exactly. And it was just, like, so, like, it was such a relief to me that I felt like I was wanted, yeah. you know? Because when you're that young, I think any kid just wants to be accepted and wanted. So, for me, that was, like, amazing. Um, so they asked me over and so I came over and it was fine and they just like started like randomly like making out and like making me watch porn with them and everything and that was my first mm-hmm. introduction to really anything sexual and I was so uncomfortable <laughs> I'll never forget it I was so uncomfortable oh. I felt so awkward um, and yeah it was just the weirdest thing that like I felt like I had, they made me feel like I had to be there um, and so anyway, nothing nothing really happened. They showed up the next day at school as if nothing had happened and like I kind of wanted to like like debrief yeah. on what yeah. had happened and like wondered if that was like normal or not. Like is this gonna be like a continual thing? But I had no confidence, so I just left it. They were leaving it, so I was like, Okay, maybe it's just normal, I'll just keep going on with it. Um and then a couple of weeks later they asked me over again and that's kind of like when like they like asked me to do stuff with them. And I really did not want to. I knew I didn't want to, but I really didn't think I had a choice. Um, obviously, now looking back, I obviously had a choice. I could have just got up and left. Um, but as it, so I remember a couple of times after this happened, I said I didn't want to do it anymore. And I turned up the next day, and all these people were calling me like a slut and a whore and a skank, and that I was like disgusting, and that I was like used or like all this sort of like derogatory terms that come with like young people having sex, I guess. Um, and they were saying it to me as well as all their older friends. So, but and what so were they like, saying? What were they telling people? So they they were just telling people that I had had sex. Like, well, the girl had told people that I had slept with the boyfriend and that I yeah so yeah I mean it's surely something in their heads would have been like surely this doesn't sound Mm. right like why why is the girlfriend telling but obviously these people had no brain cells yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um (laughs) anything to to then turn Um, people against you so nothing you say would be believed yeah and Exactly. And so, and also I had no voice in that situation. Like I completely, at this point, I had no self-worth, no self-respect. I did not have any confidence in myself. I hated myself, like to be quite honest, like to be quite blunt about it. I absolutely hated myself. I hated my life. I hated the fact that I looked the way I did, that I couldn't smile. Um, Just, I resented everything in life. And so I was almost sort of on autopilot is like the best way I can describe that I was just sort of like getting up doing the same thing every single day and just hating it really and I just kind of took everything on the chin at this point and um I remember my mum saying to me like when she found out about everything she was like you were so tired all the time Taylor like even in the weekends like 
you just be so tired and so hungry all the time like and mum was like is it it's just like your dad and I want to put like a rock up rock it up your ass to like get some like energy behind you but it's crazy because I really was tired all the time because I wasn't sleeping I wasn't eating properly just all these things and like I still like look back sometimes and I'm like how the heck did I manage to hide that so well you know it shocks me a little bit that I was able to hide that so well and the fact that I was able to lie so well as well to like the people that I loved the most but I think again it came from not wanting to be a burden to anyone as well but you just got so Um, good at it you were doing it your whole life you just got so good at it and Mm. you must have been under so much stress that's why you were like that must have been why you were so tired all the time you're under immense stress. Mm-hmm. You're depressed, obviously, from such a young age and probably not even labelling it as yeah. that when you're, you know, 13, 14. I didn't even know what depression yeah. was. I didn't know what anxiety was. I didn't know what PTSD was. Definitely didn't know what disassociative no. attacks were. No. <laughs> Let alone any of this other stuff. And so here I was just thinking it's normal to feel depressed yeah. all the time. Like I literally had like any feelings that I would feel were definitely not happy like they were just kind of sad all the time I viewed everything as such like a negative light and the best way I can describe it is I felt like I constantly had like a ton of bricks on my chest like I just felt like that all the time and like I felt heavy in my body all the time I felt like it was hard to like move it sounds so dramatic not at all like it just like genuinely is how I felt and so when people tell me like that they've been through the same thing, I'm like, oh my god, thank God, I'm not the only one yeah. who like fe- felt that way. That, those you know? physical because it can be yeah. so isolating as well. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. So mm. you okay? Can I ask you a question though? If you right now yeah. could talk and say something to yourself at thirteen, or someone who's mm. going through what you went through at thirteen, what would what could you say to them? Oh, this question always makes me cry and my tears are already welling up mm. in my eyes. <laughs> me, me <too>. um, <laughs> um, I hope oh, this question, like, it's such a good question that it makes me so emotional. Um, one, because I never thought I would be here at this age, you know, which sounds so morbid that, like, I really did not think mm. I would, like, be this old, which sounds like I'm 24, but I really did not think I'd be alive. Um, but um I think like the main thing I'd say like myself or anyone that's going through something like this or is going to go through something like this in the future is that everything happens for a reason and as shitty as it may be like we are so much stronger and like more powerful and empowered than we think we are I think people forget how strong they are when they are going through tough times and I think that's like the number one thing I've learned is that whenever I go through something that's even like the slightest bit hard I always think to myself I was like I can get through this it's fine just take a deep breath and it will be okay but the main thing I'd say to myself is that you were here on this earth for a reason everything is happening for a reason you are not a burden to anyone like you are meant to be here like you are meant to be like your feet and your body and your soul are meant to be here you are so needed in this world there is not too many people in this world you are here for a reason um 
and to also to anyone who was like born different or not kind of socially acceptable in society's eyes I think I would just say that to be yourself is such a beautiful blessing um there is so much beauty and uniqueness and and an individuality I think to be yourself in a world where so many people want to look the same is such a again beautiful thing um and it's gonna be okay like when I say it's gonna be okay please trust me it's gonna be okay because I did not think it was gonna be okay for so long and sometimes I don't understand how I'm still here yeah yeah um I didn't mean to make you cry (laughs) um I was trying to hold off on getting out as well (laughs) no you don't have to at all I think um when I like like look back at what I went through and I mean, there aren't many times that, like, I sit and really think about what I went through. But when I, like, look back on what I went through, I don't think I'll ever be able to understand, like, how bad it was for me because it was normal for me. And if I can, like, even share my story with one person, like, to make them feel like they're not alone and to stand up for themselves, to save themselves from going through even the slightest bit of what I went through, then that's all I could ever wish for. Um... Like, it was so hard and, yeah, <laughs> like, so painful. I don't think I can, like, put into words, like, how hard it was and I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. Um, but I'm just grateful that I'm here and I'm so thankful that I can share my story on, like, your platform. Like, I'm oh. truly so grateful that you've given me this opportunity to help even one person. So I need to stop no, crying I'm now. So, <laughs> honestly, I'm so, so grateful to have you on here. But it, it like... And I'm crying as well because I'm just. Do you know what? Bra- <laughs> do you know what breaks my heart though? I, I'm crying because of your like you as a child. Like you're a strong woman now, and you wouldn't be who you are. And I, you, you know, no one has to pity anything about you now. No. But it because you <laughs> are incredible, and what you've achieved is incredible. But what I'm imagining is, and you, and it happens still today everywhere is that children children who are who have no defense mechanism completely defenseless are going through what you went through in the past and today Mm -hmm. because of something so superficial it can be life destroying and it has destroyed many lives people have ended their lives you attempted to because of something so superficial and where are children learning this where are people how yeah. are they learning that it is okay to treat people this way? I don't think you're mm-hmm. born that way. They're picking this up from somewhere mm-hmm. and I don't know what it – and it's – it. oh, it breaks my heart. I 100% agree with you. I, I, I've had this conversation with so many people before um, and people like to blame it on social media but I always say to them, I was like, social media wasn't around when – when like you and I were growing up and when I'm sure a lot of listeners listening to this were growing up, I don't think it's coming from social media. I think social media 
is an amazing tool and I'm so grateful for the platform that I have on social media. I always try and like make my platform as positive as I can. We all have a choice on what we view on social media and I think putting that message out there to especially young people is also super important. But I think it also comes from, I think it's definitely... I mean, it's come from decades ago, right? I think you look back at any of the magazines you saw when you were younger, it always had, like, stick-thin blonde bombshells on the cover or, like, guys with abs on the cover or even in movies. Like, you know, there were never, like, any marginalised or people of colour or um, plus-size people or people with disabilities on the cover of magazines or in the media or doing interviews or in movies. So I think that in itself can be super isolating for anyone who is any one of those kind of groups of people. But I think at the same time, it also sends out a message to people who are kind of generically accepted in society that if... (coughs) someone doesn't look like me then that's a sign to make them feel even less isolated in a weird twisted way yeah and I feel Um, it also puts I don't know what your stance is on that (laughs) I feel that insecurities can come like you were saying before that you think that a lot of this stems from insecurities and I wholeheartedly agree with that that you would never Mm -hmm. need to put someone down and the reason people put someone down is to pull themselves up they think if I can suppress you and keep you yeah. down, then I feel better. So they're not actually lifting themselves up. They're mm-hmm. just pushing you below where they're at in their heads at least, no. you know. But I think that yeah. everything that 100%. in the – Totally. And everything in the magazine covers and, every, you know, if, they're, if a child who's conventionally good-looking and sees themselves in what they see in the magazine mm-hmm. covers, they're going to feel powerful, okay? They're going to feel – privileged and in a position of power and they like it and they Mm -hmm. want to maintain that so what do you do to maintain that you've got to ensure that people know that you are in that powerful position so you have to act in a way that keeps people below you and when you're young and immature or old and immature when you don't have emotional maturity you do (laughs) it by pulling people down instead of just by building yourself up as an individual I also think, like, to add to this conversation, I also think, you know, I mean, I can only speak from the schools that I was in, but I can probably, like, pretty much guarantee that this was a majority of schools around the world. You always wanted to be a part of the cool kid club, you know? To be a cool kid, to be in the in crowd was, like, one of, like, the highest prestigious honours you could have when you were at school. I also think because it happens in school and maybe even because we had social media now that can sort of integrate into like into your life after school and so maybe I think people are trying to keep up that persona outside Mm. of school if that makes sense like I I, like I don't exactly know how to get what I'm getting at inside my head. No but there's always this (laughs) Um, like glorification of like the popular ones and you know and in in society it's celebrities or it's influences certain influences um but yeah and Mm -hmm. you even look at movies that we would watch as teenagers and you know the success story would be when the nerdy dorky girl removed her glasses and let her hair down and started dating the most popular dude that's a success story so you think oh you know it's possible for me to be happy if i'm accepted into the popular group so even those narratives were still around oh the nerdy person who had no friends can make it if they assimilate, you know, so 
There was yeah. there was 100%. no success story in those movies, and I mean now, I feel like it's slowly changing, but you know. yeah. There's still like I mean yeah I hundred percent agree with you. It's slowly like it is slowly changing, but it like blows my mind that I hate to use the years, but we're in twenty twenty two now, and there's still so much work yeah. to be done. Like we're still having like discussions on abortion for I God's know. sakes. Like what what's with yeah. that? I just it, I know I have no words. I have no words to explain how I feel about stuff that should be so much past where we are like even with people who are like disabled or um i guess (laughs) like uh what's the word aren't like as inclusive as a lot of the generic models like like you said in my intro i've just stepped into like the Mm. modeling world which is amazing but what i've really noticed by doing that is especially in new zealand and australia where are all the disabled and like inclusivity like models on the cover of yeah. magazines or being represented by brands like yes there's a small handful and i don't want to take away from them at all but like it's just, it's just crazy yeah. and then you look over in the states and the uk and they're so much further ahead of us and it just makes me wonder like what's the like what's the gap there yep. for i don't understand what the gap is there for and i'm not sure what they're doing that we can't be doing um but at the same time, it's so cool to be now classified, I guess, as a model, which is so it's weird. Great. It's, um, you are. To, That's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> but, to, but to be like a face and voice, again, of like hope and inspiration and empowerment for even one person out there who thinks like this, honestly, my younger self would be jumping up yeah. and down with joy right now to see me doing what I'm doing now, which is gonna make me cry again and I'm not gonna cry I'm gonna hold it in but like honestly if my 13 14 15 year old self could see what I'm doing mm. now and to see that I'm living out my dreams of wanting to be a model and being a model and working with brands that like want to yeah. work with me it's just crazy and I just I, I don't think there's a cap on what my potential was at this point I really learned that through coming through what I've gone through like everything every kind of milestone that I didn't think I'd get to or that I was like thought it would be hard to get to I've like surpassed that like tenfold and so now I'm kind of just in the mindset of why try and put a cap on your potential because I think whoever you are like our potential is limitless um I think I think we hold the power to determine how we live our lives and the potential that we have and so I'm just at a point now where I'm just like I don't care how like anxious I feel about going into something. If I want to do it and I feel like I can do it, then let's yeah. do it. Because um, you never know who you're going to help along the way or who you're going to inspire. And that's really all I could ever ask for, for being in the position that I'm in now. I think, okay, now what I want to touch on, and it's based on kind of what you just said, is you've got this fearlessness <laughs> about you. And I think, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong or add to it or whatever, but I think that a big part <laughs> of your fearlessness comes from this deep purpose that you have you've got this purpose of like I'm here for a reason I can change someone's life or day or mood or trajectory and I think because of that Mm -hmm. it is like your shield almost and you you're fearless yeah you're so right I don't think I could have said it any better I think you know what's funny is that I still struggle a little bit with my anxiety here and there. I've gotten really good at like maintaining it and making sure that if I am in a position where I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack or something like that, that I know how to control it. But I think what's crazy is that if you had asked 
my 13, 14, 15 year old self or told my 13, 14, 15 year old self that I'd be in a position where I would be talking to people for media interviews, I'd be doing podcasts, I'd be a model, I'd be getting all these amazing opportunities, I would have said, no, like, that's not me, there's no way I could do that, like, who am I to have that opportunity sort Mm. of stuff. But I'm in a position now where I've done all the healing, and I don't think the healing journey ever stops, to be honest, but I've got myself to a point where I know that I can be, do, and achieve anything. And to have a story like I do and to have the willingness and the ability to share it like I do, like it gives me this innate sort of like superpower to just put myself out there on all levels, on all like vulnerabilities and just show people that no matter what, you can be, do and achieve anything you want to in this life and that if I can do it, then so can you. And I think there's just something so powerful about that. And even like in instances where I felt so anxious, this like overdrive of purpose like comes in. It's just like, Taylor, this is what you're born to do. You've been through all the bad, but you've been through all the bad shit. It's now time to own it and to live your purpose and to live your dream and to show people that they can live their dream lives too. And I think that's just like so special and I love that so yeah. much. And I'm so grateful for that as well. I just can't get over the fact that you're 24. You are so emotionally mature, probably because of what you've gone through and all the work that you had to do. <laughs> yeah. But you're talking mm-hmm. and when you're like, I'm 24, just then I'm like, what? How? How? <laughs> it's amazing. People never think I'm no. 24 either. People always think I'm like late 20s yeah. or like early 30s. Like I always tell people with my syndrome that I have free botox, <laughs> so maybe that's it. <laughs> it's like I can't possibly get wrinkles. <laughs> no, never. And it's free. Oh what are you going to do about it? Jealous now. <laughs> Yeah. I, do you know what is funny, though? I saw someone um, on social media who used to go to the same school as me and who actually used to bully me a little bit. And I saw her going to one of, like, the skin clinics and getting Botox. And I was like, oh, how the times have changed, though. <laughs> oh, God. I shouldn't That's be so like funny. that. That's so spiteful of me, but... <laughs> That is I'm not a mean so person, funny. I swear, but it was like quite nice to That's see. Brilliant. I was like, oh, I love That's, it. It invigorates it, my that soul. That does. That invigorates my soul. That's so good. <laughs> um, okay, I've got a couple more questions. I'm just loving this. Um, yeah. One would be, do you ever do talks, for example, to like groups of teens or anything like that? Um, I've kind of always done talks with like sports teams and stuff. I've done a couple of talks with like um New Zealand rugby teams over here in New Zealand and stuff like that. Um, I would be open to it, but I think like in schools they don't really like you talking about like suicide yeah, right, or like yeah. sexual assault and any of that stuff. And I'm very much in the mind of you either get all of me or you get none of me, which Couldn't agree more. probably shoot myself in the foot no. a couple of times. But like, I'm very like, yeah, that's just kind of who I am. <laughs> and I'm not good at leaving stuff No, out and either, I don't think you so. should. I don't think you should have to censor you or your story. So, mm-hmm. okay, based on that, if, so, yeah. but if you had the chance to talk to a group of, mm-hmm. let's say, people in grade 12, what, what yeah. would be your main message to them? What do you think you could teach them that could – Stay with them. Mm, um, well, first and foremost, it would be to forget 
Like, forget all the bullshit about who's popular, who isn't, what you look like, what you don't look like. Forget all of that because it's not going to matter. It does not matter now. It's not going to matter tomorrow. It's not going to matter at a week, a month, a year, five years, ten years from now. It does not matter no matter what anyone else says. What you look like and how popular, like how popular you are, is it just does not matter. There's no worth in it. The only worth you give it is what you are giving to it. Um, my second piece of advice would be, if you feel like you aren't good enough or you feel like you're not worthy enough or you don't know what you want to do with your life, the one thing I would say is to look inwards. We have so much power, like I said earlier, within who we are as individuals. There is so much power and strength in knowing who we are as individuals and using that to then go forward and live our most authentic lives and I think the sooner and earlier in life you can figure out who you are and I'm not saying you have to know who you are from like from this moment on and always be that same person you're 100% allowed to grow I think growth is just the most amazing Mm. thing but figuring out who you are now in this moment and figuring out kind of the path you want to go down for this moment in time and finding your strength and purpose is super powerful and I think you'll find that once you find that power within yourself life will just unfold for you because that's what it was like for me and I know that's what it was like for so many other people that I've talked to that when you really find yourself and you find your strength and empowerment not only can you empower yourself you also have the ability to empower others and I think we all have that power within us. Yeah 100% and I think that at that age people are so caught up with you know, what people think about them and and where they stand socially, that they lose a lot of themselves because they don't, like, go inwards, they don't nurture who they are and what makes Mm -hmm. them an individual and what makes them quirky or weird or whatever, which could ultimately be what creates their their happiest moments in Mm -hmm. their life. And they're fully suppressing that to try and, like, assimilate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will also say, I think... That what you just said really um, made me think that one thing I have seen like quite a lot, especially with being able to like have social media, I think you see a lot of young people getting dressed up and putting all this makeup on and like posing for pictures and getting their best angles. There's nothing wrong with that. I do that. You know, I want to get my best angle. I want to look good. But I think young people especially put so much time and effort into making their outer appearance look good that they've wasted all that time and energy where they could have been putting that some of that into their inner yeah. self. And I think our inner self is always going to make us the most beautiful. And I know that sounds so cheesy, but I think without knowing who you are and having a personality, you're just a body, yeah. you know, like you can be the prettiest, you can be the prettiest girl in the world or the hottest guy in the world. But if there's no substance beneath all that, like, <laughs> I don't want to have a bar of you, to be quite Literally. honest. Like, I, I don't want to have a, like, conversation with a piece of cardboard paper, <laughs> you know? Like, let's be real yeah. here. Like, I want to, like, know, like, about you. I want to know what's behind all that. But I think people put so much time and effort into looking mm. good. And, like, like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't want to tear people down at all. But put some time and energy into figuring out what you like and f- trying new things and, you know, finding things that make you happy and that make you feel good. Because when you are happy within yourself and you feel good within yourself, your whole world yeah, opens up. it's so true. And, like, being truly happy as well, not just, like, Well, ha- well exactly. Either. And kind of what you were talking about, you know, what you would hypothetically say to a group of teenagers is, like, ultimately, people, I think, have a really – how do I put it? People forget that the ultimate goal 
is to be happy. And it's and it's masked by all these mm-hmm. things. Like I want people to like me. Why? Why do you want people to like you? Oh, because mm-hmm. then I have friends. But then what do friends give you? It's all for ultimate happiness. It's, it's all for that yeah. feeling. Mm-hmm. Bypass all this shit and find more direct ways to become happy, mm. you know? And, yeah. And I will just add, I think you can look for all the happiness in all the external mm. places and, yes, that might make you happy for a split second, but unless you love yourself and you can look at yourself in the mirror and be okay with who you are and be okay within yourself and be happy within yourself you're never going to find sustained happiness or like contentment in anyone or anything else yeah you know and i think it's just such an important message for people to understand because i really thought that again going back to the surgery that i had when i was like 11 or 12 i really thought that if i could smile i would Mm. be happy yeah and like i'd be content and i'd be liked and i would like myself but I think like not being able to smile is the greatest gift I could have ever been given. And I'm so freaking grateful that the surgery was unsuccessful. Like, Isn't oh my amazing. God, I could not imagine being able to smile right now. Like me being able to smile, <laughs> oh, don't want to, like I don't want to be able to smile. That. <laughs> like we don't we don't need smiling Taylor in this world. We need the Taylor here yeah. now. <laughs> because I like sometimes this one this one guy like sent me an edited like picture of myself with a smile on my face like through instagram dm rather than like my normal smile and i saw it and i was like what What is that (laughs) i was like who is she i look so bad with a smile so i think like i mean i joke and like i think you know i still have my smile like my smile is mine um but like not being able to smile is the greatest gift i could have ever been given and i think it was always meant to happen that way um and like finding contentment in who I am now truly is the most powerful thing and that's why I'm so like vocal about it like on interviews and on social media and all that sort of stuff and I know people get sick of it and it's probably cheesy but like it's it's so so true true. and I would say to me the most attractive trait in a person and by attractive I mean who I'm most attracted to wanting to be around is someone who's comfortable in their own skin. That yeah. is the most attractive thing. Oh, it doesn't matter what you do, yeah. work, what you look like. If, if they're so, it's like a pr- calming presence and you just want to be around them. There's nothing like it, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah, you're so right. Yeah. All right. Well, final question for the podcast, for the beans, for the listeners is <laughs> what are you still learning? Oh, if my mum was here, she'd probably say patience. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, I will give myself credit. I think I have gotten like a lot better at patience and learning to just take a deep breath and take a step back when I need one. But I think because I've come so far and I just want to have everything now and do everything now, I don't like to be patient sometimes. Yeah. But I think I think when you force things that's when a lot of like maybe negative things can surface so I think being patient in general is good but also when it comes to the mental health journey and just like everyone's journey in general being patient with yourself is such a powerful tool to have and I think I think I'll always be learning that and getting better at it because the more patient you are with yourself the more grace you can give yourself and others as well and I think through going through what like you know people probably like I'm not that I notice it now because I really couldn't care less 
that you know my when I'm out with my sister or my mom or dad or whoever you know like they'll say oh did you see that person staring at you or whatever and I'm like no because I don't care for one but two I'm really have learned patience within myself and grace within myself that allows me to give back to others as well because when people used to stare at me I always took it in such a negative way and like or, or like oh they probably think I'm ugly or this or that but now I'm just like if people are staring at me yeah they might think they might think that I don't care they could just be like really interested or they might just yeah like be wanting to know what's happening. And I think being in that patient and calm and graceful mindset has really served me in a lot of ways. And um, yeah. Yeah, that's honestly, thank you so much. I <laughs> loved that. That flew. I learned so much. Everyone's going to learn so much. I, again, cannot believe you're only 24. That's incredible. And <laughs> I, just see, I just see so much, so much happening for you in your future, it's going to be People insane. People keep telling me that and insane. I'm getting really scared. Yeah. I'm getting really no. scared. I'm like, I don't think I'm ready. <laughs> no, you're ready. You're fucking ready. And I can just see, oh, so much. I don't know. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to see my what's going to unfold goal, My one goal I want, I'm not a singer. I've got the worst singing voice. I want to perform on stage with Beyonce. Can we make Oh, my it God. Let's put I it out there. Guys, let's six degrees of separation. Who, who knows Beyonce? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to Anyone out there this. who's listening, I need to get in touch with Beyonce so I can do a performance. And you need to walk up and down some sort of a catwalk stage with your hair blowing in, in like the Oh, fans, my obviously. God. What a dream. What a what dream. A dream. Yeah. <laughs> Could you just imagine all the memes, though? Because like, I'm so uncoordinated. And like <laughs> me, and, me and flats. No go. Me and heels, doll. Don't want to even go there. Um, but <laughs> we'll see. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I'll be there. I'll be there front and centre. Okay, and final thing. Filming. <laughs> I'll be filming. I'll be recording a live podcast from, from the arena, so don't you worry. <laughs> so good. So quickly, for anyone that's going to follow you, your Instagram handle is? It's just at Taylor Clement, and it's T-A-Y-L-A, not O-R. People always get that wrong. Taylor, L-A, Clement. <laughs> and yeah. I'm going to be obviously sharing this on my Facebook page, my Instagram. I'll be tagging you in everything as well. But in case you don't have either of those, definitely go check her out. She's got an awesome page. It is amazing. And, yeah, they can obviously DM you, reach you. You'll probably get a million DMs. And I'm, I'm open to, to any questions as well, like to any of the listeners out there who think a question is off limits, like nothing is off limits. I'm open just to discuss anything. I'm not a professional. I don't have a master's or anything, but I've been through a lot and made a lot. So have. I'm like more than happy like to help you in any way that I can. Yeah, you've got a lot to teach as well, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for your time. I really appreciate you having you on the podcast. That was amazing. Thank you for having me.